Hello, my name is Jerry Durham, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, What's Best for the Patient is Best for the Business. This podcast was put together for you, the healthcare practice owner wants to achieve success in your healthcare practice and turn this practice, this clinic into a business. So if you want growth and scalability that drives financial performance, all three of those don't always come together. But if you want that, then you've come to the right place. I'm here to help you be most successful in your healthcare practice and turn it into a business. Cheers. Thanks for coming. All right. Welcome back. Um, I'm Jerry Durham. And today I'm excited to have someone, another physio I met about six years ago in that far off land, that strange far off land called Canada, or as I like to say, our neighbors upstairs. So um, yeah, I love it. I'm always like, oh yeah, those neighbors upstairs, but we're like the rowdy neighbors downstairs. Right. And you're like, fuck, why do we rent to those people? Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Good. So I got Mike major on today and, um, Rather than me talk about him and what he's doing these days, I want to get him on here to share what he's doing, because I think it's really valuable to the listeners, wherever you're hearing this podcast, YouTube, anywhere, um, to those people running a business. So Mike, why don't you uh, just catch us up to speed and share your story. I want people to hear about you know your journey to get to where you are today. Sure. Yeah. I started working 15 years ago as a physio and through my journey, if you want me to go back before I open up my clinic, you let me know, but yeah, I do. I do. Because yeah. I think, yeah, because that's part of, is that not part of what part of developed into clinic dash, right? Yeah. 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 Part yeah. Of yeah. So I, I do want you okay. to share that. Yes, I do. So I started working as a physio, came out of school with a lot of debt um, and took on a job where I was said to myself, how am I going to make the most money as quickly as I can to pay down my debt? <laughs> right. And then uh, ended up working for a national company. And I just said, you put me wherever I can have the most amount of opportunity to be able to progress as much as I can in my career. And so they sent me out into the middle of nowhere. I arrived my first day, they fired the clinic director and I became the clinic director on the first day without knowing I was going to become the clinic director on the first day. Congratulations on your yeah. promotion. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Um, but I had been in the military uh, for nine years previous to becoming a physio. And then I taught at their leadership school and got invited back a second time to teach. Wait a minute, wait a minute. School. You taught leadership. Who's leadership yeah. school? And military's leadership military. school, the Canadian Thank Army. You. Yeah, the Canadian Army's leadership school. So I taught okay. there. You do contracts there. And because and I was a university student, I did short stint contracts. So I did during the summertime between terms, I did a four-month contract. And then you have to get invited back. So I got invited back the next year for another four-month contract, uh, teaching future leaders and, and doing some testing and that kind of stuff. And so that really ingrained in me the, the importance of communication, the importance of evaluation and communication through evaluation and regular communication and evaluation, um, and then how strong it is to make sure that you support everybody around you. At the same time, what I did in the background, because I was before I was training leaders, I was teaching in the military. And so I'd get the, the toughest group I had probably was I had a group of seven people that I trained to do some things in the army. It doesn't matter. Like we were blowing up stuff. And so we trained them to blow up stuff. But of the seven people, three of them were there as part of their parole requirements. And so we had a month with those. They were all guys. So I'll say those guys. Um, we had a month with those guys trying to teach them how to do things that were blowing things up and learning how to do dangerous things. At the same time as they were there on their parole requirements, they didn't want to be there. And how do we get them to work with everybody else as a team? And so that was one of the summers that stuck out in my mind. I've done it. I did it multiple times throughout my military career, but that was one of the ones that stuck out in my mind because we, at the end of that course, 
we do a one week confirmation where we go to the middle of nowhere, blow up a bunch of stuff, but we're competing with all the other groups of seven people running this howitzer or this cannon. And that group of seven people, we ended up winning the best group, or we called it a detachment, the best attachment of the course by the end of that four weeks. And we were crushing everybody. And so you have three, three guys who don't want to be there, are there due to their parole, weren't the easiest to manage and handle, um, and didn't want to have anything to do with teamwork. And by the end of it, we had them working really, really well as a team. Um, and we just, it, it came down to being creative and making things work. And I had to do that when I was oh man, I was 19 years old at that point. So I was 19 years old leading this group of seven people and trying to figure it out, but I was only 19. So I had to grow up really quickly. Um, and even teaching at the leadership school, I was, at, I was 21 at that point um, and having to teach with people that were in their forties. So I got to learn a lot from them, like make a lot of mistakes, but grow up and get to know myself really quickly. And then getting into physio, I got into that. And, and then you went straight to physio from there. Yeah. So straight to physio from there, I did my, the, the army helped me pay through my undergrad. And then I went straight to physio from there. I worked with the army part-time while I was in physio school. And then once I graduated, graduated from my physio program, I got out of the army just because the demands were too great to be able to balance both. Um, and then got into that clinic director role. Once I was there, what we ended up doing is we, we grow to the space pretty quickly and we ended up buying a clinic or buying a building that was a 6,000 square foot building. And uh, we had contractors come in to help us out to build it, but I was seeing clients 44 hours a week. And then the contractors ended up living with me in my apartment. So every night we could talk about what they were doing, what cash they needed, where their budgets were, all that kind of stuff. So while they were doing this for three to four months, I can't remember it so long ago, it was back in 2009, but I'm pretty sure it was, it was four months. They lived with me and we just, every night we chatted, sat down, talked about where they were. And we had five guys living in a two bedroom apartment. <laughs> Oh my God, dude, this, yeah. this story gets better by the moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't think we went into those details in the past. Mm. Um, and then from there, it, I grew to managing 10 clinics for this national company. Ended up then I started to get an interest in being able to own my own clinic because as of those 10 clinics, three of them were, or no, four of those 10 clinics were acquisitions and we acquired clinics that weren't doing well, weren't even breaking even. And we tried to turn them around. And so of four of the 10 clinics, we were able to turn them around. Um, and do really well with some leadership and some structure in place. And then I got some interest in thinking to myself, if I can help turn around four clinics with the clinic owner still working and helping them improve, um, then I can do it on my own. And so wanted to go out on my own was my next step. And I had done that and worked, I worked at a place for a year to get to know them because they wanted to grow. And my, one of my friends was going to be a silent partner. Um, and so I wanted to get to know them for a year before we opened together. And at the end of that year, unfortunately, some of them came forward and said they don't trust the, my friend and the silent partner. So the deal fell through. And I went back to working with a, another national company because I needed a place to work um, and help them with some RFPs, help them. I just traveled around to work, to go to challenging clinics. If they were having a tough time running a clinic or a clinic wasn't doing well, I'd go so there more, more like your clinic director role to, you would come in more like a clinic director, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And just help turn the clinic around in six months, hire another physio, mentor them, get them going, and they'd take over the clinic director role. And then I'd move on to another clinic. Um, and then we had, at the same time, what was happening in the background is there was a project happening to try and test opening up a district of clinics. So go to an area, say, this is a great area with some opportunity. We're going to open up six clinics all at the same time and try and dominate a space and dominate a geographical area. But what happened in Ontario at the same time was our, our funding changed in the public system. And so 
that company lost a ton of cash and had to pivot real quickly. So that project got scrapped because they didn't have as much liquidity anymore. Um, and what happened then is I ended up traveling back and forth for a while for them, driving an hour each way every day. Um, at the same time as I got married and trying to start a family. So I said, I'm going to work closer to home after about six months of doing that. Um, and ended up working with a couple surgeons locally and a physiatrist locally, just to just make sure I could see every type of injury, be comfortable with every type of injury so that I could mentor physios when I started my own clinic. And then at the same time, I was saving to open my own clinic and ended up working with them for two and a half years, then went and opened my own clinic. What year was that when you opened your own Oh clinic? man, 2015 now, I think. 15. Okay. Yeah, 2015. Cool. Yeah. And so during those two and a half years of working with those guys um, and the specialists, I started saving money, doing research into financial models because I had treated with that national company where we we're seeing six clients an hour. Um, I knew I didn't want to do that. Didn't match with my ethics and morals. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I didn't know that, right? Starting out in physio, I had a ton of debt. So oh, right. I just went, yeah, where am I'm I going to have the hey, best Hey, by job? the way, no judgment, just no, for no, the yeah. record, because I want anybody listening to this. I get it. And and I love the fact, by the way, uh, I, I, I want to reference this real quick because I say this to third years, uh, third year DPT students here in the States. Anytime I talk to them, yeah. if you need to make money and pay your debt, just own it and go for it, man. And just understand where it fits in your timeline, your goals, your objectives, your process. So I appreciate you opening with that because yeah. that really caught my ear. Because I came out with before going to getting into the physio program, I was all blue collar, right? Working in the military, I did logging, I did contracting, all that kind of stuff just to pay my way through for undergrad as well while I was doing the army thing and then through high school. So I didn't know in the white collar healthcare professional world, I didn't really know what ethics, morals and values and how that fit in. And so I was feeling that out, right? Um, and then I got to this point where I knew seeing four to six people, most of the time it was six people an hour, wasn't what matched with my ethics and values. So I knew I had to just grind it out, get to a point where I could save and then open my own clinic, do my own thing, where my goal was to see one, one person every hour for assessments and then one person every half an hour for visits. But then I had to make that work because from a physiotherapy perspective in Canada, we're not charging hundreds of dollars a visit, right? We're charging back when I first opened, the going rate was around $60 a visit for a half an hour. So you think of the margins on that when you're paying for a retail space, plus you've got staff, plus you're trying to, you know, afford equipment and market and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of, not a lot of money left on the table. And so what I did for two years before I opened the clinic, while I was working with those specialists was working on financial models to figure out how I could do that. Then I turned those financial models into how does that look from a, a patient experience perspective and how can I take the financial models and match it to a patient experience that provides a great experience, make sure I have long-term growth from a repeat word of mouth and referral perspective. Um, and I can have physios be able to be very autonomous. They feel like they can do whatever they want. They can treat people as long as we focus on the satisfaction of the client. And so we took the financial models, mulled them over to the patient experience before we even opened. And then I put that into spreadsheets and started with a basic spreadsheet back in 2015 and grew it from there. So for anybody not paying attention, what Mike just said was, they were figuring out what's best for the patient was best for business. I love it. Right. Yeah. So there we go. A phrase I like to use and probably why we connected uh, early on when we first met around this conversation and he, even uh, with your new product, you're going to talk about. Yeah, I love it. I love that. That is, let, let's just revisit that for a second. Um, Cause there's been so much stuff here, dude. Yeah. My God. <laughs> I haven't talked about some of the other well, stuff. And then I want to hear more about working in the logging industry, but maybe we'll save yeah. that for another day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I caught that when you said that I was like, Oh my God. 
Yeah. Um, so you were running, right. So here you are understanding. I love this. So you started your own business knowing how you wanted to treat what aligned with your values, to use your words, your ethics. And then you, you knew that you had to figure out the financial model, AKA the business model, we can say that aligned to that, to make sure that you could deliver care in a manner you wanted to deliver and still be able to support a business through that. Right. Yeah. Cool. Got it. So, I mean, that's huge and that's missing. So I want to make sure everybody heard that because so many people, you know, in the States, and I'm just going to, you know, I do understand the Canadian side, but I want to stick with, right. Using the States as an example. I talk to people and it's like, Oh, you're starting a business. Oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm starting a cash PT business. I'm like, what the fuck's that mean? And as opposed to someone else who goes, Oh, I started a Medicare office. And I'm like, what the fuck's that mean? Or I started, Oh, I'm, I'm an in-network clinic. I'm like, what's that mean? It means based on funding, right? You're chasing, you're an, you're an ambulance chaser at that point. Yeah. You're just chasing money. Nothing. Because we're, we're the only, I've thrown this out a lot. We're the only industry Mind you, in America, we're $3.4 trillion industry. That's American dollars. Oh, by the way, real quick, when um, Mike was getting 60 Canadian dollars on the half hour, that's 45 American. So just put everything into perspective. I don't want everybody to think that's $60 down here. No, no, yeah, I yeah. looked that up as soon as you said it. Did you? Yeah. But back to, back to this practice model, we're the only industry that, that leads with how we get paid. No other industry does that. They talk about their clients. They talk about their value drivers. They talk about yes. their deliverables, right? Yes. What value do we deliver? What yes. outcomes do we deliver? Yes, yes. But yet you go to physio and they're like, I started a cash clinic. I'm like, yeah. What? What's your insurance? How you pay? I'm like, today? that's weird. Yeah. So you, you you exchange dollars for services. Wow, you're so yeah. unique. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just bear with me on this, people, because I mean, I I think how Mike said he this journey right? Started in his own business was knowing his values, his ethics, how he wanted to deliver care in the manner that he believes, believed best serves his clients, his patients, his people. And then he ran financial models to see if he could, I would assume part of it was, I mean, let's face it, you didn't say this, but we got to be honest. Can I support this model? Right. So there, there was a point where if I couldn't support this model and my ethics and values were, were getting pushed so much in the models I was working in where I was seeing six people an hour, that the decision was, if I can't do this, then I'm not going to be a physiotherapist. Yeah, that's anymore. huge, dude. Right? That's yeah. huge. Because that's I, huge. I just couldn't do it anymore. It, it's coming home every day and looking at myself in the mirror. And then I, again, I lived where I provided service, right? So I'd see people at the mall and stuff. And it's just like, I can't do this. It just doesn't feel right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I believe in my biases and my beliefs, and I would like to say most of the business successful business world would say that this is the way we come at it. Now, Mike said, look, if I can't do it this way, I'm not going to do it. Right. Where other people are looking to cut corners and add one more patient an hour. Right. Mike yeah. said, Nope, it's not going to work for me. So I really like, and probably why Mike and I in one way, shape or form. And, you know, as I read his stuff and maybe he sees my stuff, we know that we align on a lot of this, um, yeah. that the that the care, the patient we're serving when done properly, which Mike's going to talk about, or sorry, we'll say the business side, will lead to business success. So, yeah. so you ran the models. Yep. You saw it would work. Yep. Okay, cool. 
proceeds. Okay. And, and then the other thing you reminded me of, Jerry, was I was just, there was a point where I was working at these other places where I was managing 10 clinics and my performance was based on the PL. And I couldn't- Well, hold on, say that out loud. Profit the profit and loss. loss. Yeah, yeah. But the profit and loss by the time I got it to see what my performance was like, it was three months. So I was getting three months old profit and loss and trying to make decisions on three month old profit and loss statements for the last quarter to say, hey, this is how you did. It's just like, well, I'm three months behind. I need this yesterday. This is really good. And people need to sit in this. I'm not going to make Mike repeat it. You're going to rewind it. The PL and so many financial statements that, by the way, that your owners, that your clinics, that your managers, that maybe you are looking at are, I call it rear view mirror. When's the last time get in your car and look in the rear view mirror and try to drive straight ahead? Yes. Yes. Right? And, and that's what position Mike was being put into is he was saying, Hey, we need you to here, here, here's the results. But it was a look into the rear view mirror and now do something about this. And he's like, but I got to look straight ahead. And so we end up just chasing your tail, right? And, and then I, I moved and I worked with those specialists and those specialists in that clinic, same deal. Every, the owner of the clinic that worked with the specialists who were part owners in the clinic, we'd sit down and he'd show me the PL. And I'd be like, man, I don't care about the PL. Tell me about the leading indicators. Tell me about what I can change right now and what I can coach my team on right now. And they don't want to hear about dollars and cents because they don't care about dollars and cents unless it's their paycheck, right? <laughs> That's good. So Mike just said something leading indicators, right? So a PL is a lagging, it's the opposite, the polar opposite is a lagging indicator. So it tells you what has already happened. And Mike just said leading indicator, which gives you an indication of what is going to happen next. Yeah. Um, so what, yeah, keep moving in this direction, yeah. Mike, let's go into your world. So you ran the financials, you yep. saw it aligned, you decide you were going to do it. In the past, you knew that you were giving lagging indicators, rear view yep. mirror stuff to yep. try to make business decisions for tomorrow. Not only was he looking in a rear view mirror, but he was three fucking months old. Right. Think about that. Get in your car and you look in your rear view mirror and it was the view from three months ago. Yeah. Right? It's not even the street or the road you're on. No. And so what I ended up doing is then I, I, I had my business model mapped it to my, my culture, my vision, my mission, my values. And I said, does this work? Can I make this work? And then I mapped it out from the client experience or patient experience perspective to say this, I can make this work financially. Let's see what this looks like from the time the client contacts us to the time they complete their plan of care, what leading indicators we can have to measure that, what we can control so we can connect everybody. Because then it brought me back to my military, um, my military experience where it was just like, how do we connect everybody so each person understands what they do, what their expectations are. Everybody has a focus role. And then if they, if everyone has a focus role, they can also support each other better. So I don't have to be in there all the time doing this, right? Talking about reminding them, this is our performance. This is our culture. This is what we're trying to do. They live it. They see it. They have control of it with those leading indicators that they can affect every day. And then their performance and their income is based on those leading indicators. So all of a sudden it's just like, okay, now I can, once I've got the team trained and they all believe in it, they're all speaking the same language. Now it becomes this really powerful system to support clients, focus on the clients and then long-term growth happens. So I want to recap that because there's a lot in there and a couple of things I, I want to comment on because I think it's important for people to hear. So you had the model, you see the financials will, uh, will deliver. Mm -hmm. So then the next step was to figure out, no, sorry. Then you said then, right. Does all this align with the mission, the vision, right? The culture I want to create, 
right? The, the community I want to serve, the people I want to serve, all yeah. of that. So yep. that was the next step. Then after that, it was get the team together, correct? Yep. And use, because I want to make sure people heard this. I, I, I'm not sure I heard it. And use what all these things to show the, the potential team member of this is what it looks like here at ABC Physio. So you show them this experience we're going to deliver and just stop me if I say anything wrong, because this is what I heard. This is the experience we're going to deliver. These are the indicators that are going to, you're going to be held accountable to help you understand if you are moving the people you serve and the business in the right direction all at the same time. Yeah, you got it. Cool. Okay, yeah. good. No, I just wanted to make sure that was, was because there was a lot in there, dude. Yeah. And so what I like about this, and I, I want to, I want to just highlight real quick is, is this creation because I, I run into this a lot. <clears throat> I refuse to believe and just bear with me on this people, because think about the example I just gave you. You cannot hire people into a system that doesn't know who it's going to serve and how everybody, everybody wants to tell you employees come first and they want to give these examples. And I'm like, Unless you've read the story of those businesses, you're, you're misrepresenting the quotes, right? Herb Kelleher, Southwest. We put our employees first. I'm like, after he fucking figured out what he wanted to create and how he was going to deliver it, it was easier to hire the right people. This is, yeah. I butt heads with people weekly on this. And I'm like, yes, you can put your employees first after you understand who you're going to serve and you can show that employee how you're going to serve people and what you're accountable for. So yes, it is a nice little virtuous cycle. And once the system starts running, because this is what happens, people step into Southwest eight years later and go, this is awesome. Look how well the employees are treated. I'm like, yeah, it's because of the way the systems were created. And let's go back to the beginning. They knew who they were going to serve and how. Would you agree with that, Mike? Is that totally. what we just described? Yeah. That's why I really grabbed onto what you just said, because I was like, and yeah, it's my bias. It's my belief. I get it. Yet, I don't think people think deep enough on this. And they're always, everybody goes past that creation day, right? But it has to come first. Then it becomes a virtuous cycle. And I agree. It's the beauty is the patients are happy because the team's happy. The team is happy because the right people are in the business. And it's just a virtuous cycle. And yes, it's hard to distinguish at that point. Yet you had to have that first step of which Mike did and is the reason for his success and what he's, what he's created. Cool. Well, and I knew like the culture I wanted to create. I knew right. the, the model that I wanted to practice in. And then I knew the customer I wanted to serve. So I researched the demographics, right? I looked at where, where I lived and where I wanted to be. And I knew the demographics. And then I searched those places out where those people lived. And then I found pockets where those people lived. And I said, this is where I want to open up a clinic. And I focused on finding a building and a spot in that where they live in that area. So here we are, right? You're getting, you, you figured out your model. You figured out how you're going to deliver. You figured out what you're going to deliver and then how you're going to measure it. So those are three distinct th things there, people, before he even opened his doors. And then, by the way, I did this, but like 10 years into my business, just for the fucking record. Um, but Mike did it before he opened his doors, like you're supposed to. Then he searched out the team to fill the roles so that then they could open the doors. 
correct? Cool. You got it. So, then, yeah, go on. Yeah, so I want you to share. From that point, we had how to measure everything and we had it in spreadsheets because we kept it basic. We kept it simple to start. Over the years, those spreadsheets changed because mm-hmm. as, we, as we had that patient experience measured, those leading ed- ed- indicators measured, we wanted to see more. We started to understand the, the journey more. We started to understand the intricacies. We under, started to understand, hey, there are certain levers, there are certain indicators that we're seeing. How can we control those more? What do we need a little more information in areas? So we, by the time we got to 2019 or 2020, we were on our 12th version of that yeah, I spreadsheet, love right? I love that example. Yeah, I love that. And so it wasn't, it wasn't the same freaking metric stared at every day, right? Yeah. Just trying to change something. Exactly. I love the way you said you figured out the experience better, which meant the metrics could 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 have changed or not, but right. you understood that, hey, I understand this journey better. Is this still the right metric? The, and that's been part of my experience, right? Every time I go a little deeper, I'm like, wait a minute, let me step back now and challenge my biases around these key metrics I make people measure, right? Right, right. And, and so once we had built it, we had, you know, by 2020, we're, ha- we're talking, we have five, six years of data. So to load that thing up in the morning, it's turned from a spreadsheet into a database. It would take five, a good five minutes just to churn and load. And so I decided at one point that I'm going to turn it into an actual software. And that software we created called Clinic Dash. And it takes that whole customer experience. Clinic Dash. Yeah. One word or two words? Seriously. It's one word. One, one word. word. Good. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Go on. Because short form is Clinic Dashboard, but it's also Clinic Dash because you're sprinting with lots of success. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ooh, and- that sounded like a nice little pitch, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're allowed to pitch on my show, by the okay, way. So okay. Okay. <laughs> well, on that, that, that's why we're talking because, again, th- this, this story aligns so well. And yes, I bring people on that I agree with. I bring people on that I believe can help other people. And, you know, again, <clears throat> what Mike did before he opened, it took me about 10 years to do. So, you know, again, you got to learn from other people, their, their, their strengths, their weaknesses, all of it together. I finally got to where Mike was, but it took me a fuck of a lot longer to get there, I'd like to say. <laughs> so um, cool. Clinic Dash. So yep. you created a software that you yep. used in your company. And it makes everything streamlined. So it's not spreadsheets anymore. So there's less errors in the data. It has customizable scoreboards, notifications, all that stuff built in that I wanted to have in the spreadsheets, but it would just bog those spreadsheets down, start to make them look dirty, make the data look dirty, all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a little easier to read, pleasing to the eye, more user-friendly at the same time as it makes it so much easier for us to look and test and retest and learn from our data. So let, let's talk about the day-to-day usage of this. So there's a clinic, all, you know, whatever, and we don't have to get into it too much unless you want to throw something in there, but there's a clinic dashboard, like the owner dashboard, the finance dashboard. Then there is a dashboard for the providers that they need to be focused on back yep. to your example of their leading indicators and maybe some lagging, by the way, lagging, by the way, just some let me clarify, lagging indicators are not bad. We just have to know what we're looking at. And there is value in both of those. Let's just put it this way, as I think Mike will agree, we don't use enough leading indicators in our business. Okay, cool. Currently, and Clinic Dash accounts for the leading indicators. This is a question. Clinic Dash accounts for the leading indicators that the team needs to look at, the providers, the billing, the front desk team, would you say? Yep. So what happens is each user, so each member of the team, doesn't matter if it's provider, front desk team, whatever it is, 
They have their own login. They have their own individualized scorecard that they need to focus on. And then right before that, below that is the clinic scorecard. So they, they see how they're doing and they see how they're contributing to the team and they have their own notifications. They can input data individually, all that stuff. You just said something again that I want to grab. Mike said, what he say? He said they can look at their data and see how it's impacting the team, influencing the team, the business. I love that. And I learned that. Have you ever read? Hold on one second. I got to look at it. Yeah, yeah. The four disciplines of execution? Oh, probably not. I don't think so. Because what you're talking about, you, the terminology you're using, so this would be good for um, the listeners too. The terminology you're using, I would not know or have heard of without reading the four disciplines of execution. And one of the authors, hold on, I got to lean over. Chris McChesney, and it's a, it's a Covey book not the Covey guy, but I think his son is in on it. Chris, hold on. Yeah, Mick Chesney, Four Disciplines of Execution, spoke at a PPS conference about six or seven years ago. So I heard him speak and I was like, holy crap. He started talking about leading, lagging indicators. He started talking about the importance of team metrics. And before all that, I really didn't have that. I actually reference that book as one of the tipping points in my journey of understanding business of helping people be more successful in business because i had already gotten out of my business at that time but yet the term leading lagging indicators and the importance of people including your front desk being able to tie their metrics back to we can say patient success which then will equate to business success was key for helping me to understand how the front desk team had to have met. So getting people scheduled, billing codes had nothing to do with true patient success. And that's really when I went to things like lead conversion, arrival, right? Lead arrival, um, NPS score, things like that as the metrics of what I call metrics of success for a front desk team, because I could show the front desk people how that fit into my larger team metric goal of completed plans of care. Right. Yeah, that four disciplines of execution for anybody listening and catching some of these terms and not understanding them, I highly recommend that book. And that's interesting. You know what I love, Mike? Um, I want to go off on a tangent here a little bit. My, my favorite leadership book ever was written by Jocko Willick extreme ownership, dude. Yeah, yeah. And which when you started explaining your group and I saw that, I just started flashing back to all the chapters in that book about yes. how you align people like that. So I love the fact that my favorite leadership book comes from a military background. And then the metric book basically speaks exactly to what you're saying um, in this. And so I feel like I've read two things. I've really, and by the way, both those books are in like my top five books, right? That I've read on my journey that have impacted me the most. Right, right. Yeah. And, that, and that's the thing. And that's, that's partly what I learned from my leadership experience with the military is that you want people to own it. But then the other piece that I read, I was reading some books about how to compensate people. So remuneration models or payment models, and we use these incentives and these incentives don't work. All the research shows that incentives don't work. What people really want is they want to own something they want flow and they want autonomy, right? Like the, the, those are big things. And so 
how did you, how do you get that? And that part of that, that's why I did the dashboard, right? Because they say, I control these things directly. This is how my performance is being measured. I can make sure in the systems that I created and the processes that we created and what they're measured and what they can control, they also have independence. As long as it aligns with our mission, vision, values, culture, they have independence to be able to shift that. So they are not, you have to do it one way. There are, are boundaries, right? And so they feel like they have a lot of independence. They have a lot of room to be able to make decisions as long as it's in the, in the best interests of the client, the clinic, and it matches what we're trying to do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that, that's huge. Um, I'm going to tell people to, again, roll that back and listen to that again, because what I'm going to say next is to prove that he's correct with the anti of what we mostly see, which is people that don't have metrics that feed into true patient success and therefore, right, are always chasing their tail and they don't have the autonomy because everybody tells them what to do to get success with the metrics they have in front of them. But the metrics maybe are lagging indicators. The metrics maybe tie into more of a business aspect than a patient success. Again, back to my model, I can, you know, I'll sit there and show a front desk team how, right, arrival rate, right, correlates with completed plan of care. Uh, it's pretty simple, people. If people don't show up, they can't complete a plan of care, right? So, again, and then giving them the autonomy, right? Um, I don't give scripts. I give templates. Did you do these five things in the process? Yes, I did. And I don't care how you did them. By the way, I really don't. I tell people, can we check these five boxes? Yeah. Cool. Right. And then when they check the five boxes, they see, right, that 80% of the time they have success. And I'm like, cool. Guess what their metric is, right? 75. So now they're at 80%, right? Exactly. And that's where that measurement happens. So, so sometimes when we bring someone new on, they, they're learning all those processes, right? They're learning those, those checklists and, and, those pr- and the process that we put in place. And we train communication, right? So we, we train, because a lot of us don't learn how to communicate with people well in the best interest of that person. We don't, we don't learn how to communicate and serve a client well or serve a person well even these days. And so we teach that. We do a lot of communication work and a lot of work around how we speak with clients to serve them well because there's a lot of cognitive biases around, out there around sales and around service and how do we get through this process. And so we try and, we try and hijack those cognitive biases to make sure we're getting to the true reason that person's there, what they're looking for, and how we can serve them the best. We walk them down that path. We're the expert. So let's go back to a clinic dash for a second. Yeah. Or, I mean, just a question I have. So it's a product available for sale. And it's not, you know, what a great, I mean, as you're saying this, right. So you've got, you got multiple teams across multiple offices, right? So it's great because it'll break it down to the individual, pull it back to the clinic and then deliver a bigger picture. So it goes down all those levels. To like the district, the individual office, then the individual in that office, correct? Yes. So um, the metrics, does it come preloaded? How do you determine what turns on? What happens, if, what happens if someone comes in, gets a demo and says, yeah, but I'm not measuring A, B, and C or something like that or something. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So we have the core base level of data. And really what we're looking for our core base level of data to collect, which is most likely what a lot of people collect or it's easy to collect your treatment, your cancellations, your no-shows and your assessments. 
and then we're we're collecting. Real quick, hold up. Assessments or evaluations, right? Uh, yes, assessments yeah. or evaluations. So we got evaluations. Yeah. Treatments would be visits. Visits. Yep. Okay, and then keep going. What are the other ones? Your no shows. No shows. And your cancellations. Cancels. So I just want to make sure that kind of that yeah. terminology. Cool. So yeah, I would. I'm pretty sure 98 percent of everybody measures those. Hopefully, yeah. And then we're, our other core part of that set of data is every time you have a contact with a client at the front desk, they're collecting data on what that contact looks like. It's easy, it's streamlined, it's got drop-down menus and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it breaks down into a lot of really cool things that could take us a whole other half an hour to talk about, but it's all about how you're, you're conducting yourself and what questions and what referral sources you're finding. And then it gives you a lot of data for your front desk and how to train and coach your front desk. And then we have assessment data or evaluation data based on you know, how many appointments that they booked at the first assessment or at, after the eval, how many appointments they actually came for, their MPS score, and their status. Are they in an active plan of care? Have they, are they a drop-off? Did we refer them out? Anything like that. And that's all, it, all drop-downs really streamlined in there. And those are our three core sets of data. And that data outputs into reports for your team. So I'm going to head off this next thing. If you're thinking, if someone listening to this right now or watching this right now, is thinking this, just stop. Your EMR does not do this. It doesn't. Um, so many claim to until you actually need the data out. So I'm just going to tell you this, this dashboard does not exist in your EMR. Even though you can get some of this, but it will not do what Clinic Dash will do. I've seen it. Mike's taken me through a, a demo in depth. Like he said, we, we could probably go down a rabbit hole just about any role or any metric, which is good, right? It's nice. And you, you want the high level, like Mike said, here, let's go back to this, right? Mike put together this model, hired people into it, and then they constantly did what? Checked and rechecked. Remeasure, right? Remeasure. Okay, step back. Is this working or not? Is this the right data point or not? And so Mike has built this thing over time. And I'm just going to tell you again that the EMR doesn't do it. I won't, I will make a bold statement saying nobody's doing this, which means probably someone is, I just haven't seen it, but just know your EMR will not fucking do this. It does, it, if you ask them. So I called my EMR. Yeah, dude. So guy. did I, man. I, by the way, I used to call them every day, ask them the same question for like yeah, eight months. Yeah. You never get a straight answer. And then you can't talk to the techies, right? They won't let you go through the techies. Um, and so, and they're, and the definition changes all the time. So when they do an update, all oh my God, the definitions, we're not even going right? down that. Road. Yeah. 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 And so, and the thing with clinic dash is you make for that course set of data, you can define it because you're tracking it. And when you input that course set of data, literally, because we're thinking, oh man, that's, that sounds like a lot of data, but it, literally at the end of the day, our closing receptionist has a, our front desk has a checklist. It takes her three to five minutes to double check the data, make sure it's all correct and input the day's data from the individual contacts. The longest is it takes for a challenging phone call with a lot of information. We've timed it. It takes 14 seconds to put a, a hard phone call with a lot of data in. 14 so seconds. hold on, stop there one second. Three to five minutes. Wait, five minutes at the end of the day, you said? Yeah, yeah. And then 14 it, seconds after a call. After a call, because we track calls in person and then anything web. So email forms, that kind of stuff. And literally the longest is 14 seconds. So, okay, hold on. Let's do the time thing. Then I have another call, uh, question for you. Yeah. So this time thing, the value, I, I want you all to understand, because what I heard here was five minutes and thinking of the value of that data entered today, tomorrow, back to your business, back to your marketing program, 
back to your, by the way, your education program, right? How this is what I love. I, I don't, you know, I make people track leads, which we're talking about, but not, not to this extent, but even collecting like four or five things, the value that you can take away is where do we spend our marketing dollars? Where do we have to educate people, right? What, what work so that you can, as an owner, <clears throat> get the biggest bang for your buck on all your dollars spent. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, real quick. Now here's yeah. a follow-up to all that. So <clears throat> this thing is, oh, okay. Yeah. It, yeah, man. So yeah, it, it, it's tracking everything you need in the business from the first touch point, but it's also, I want people to understand if the first touch point is set up properly, then you'll have data on how'd you hear about us? Exactly. By the way, you'll have data on why didn't you schedule? You'll have data on, right? Uh, referrals, right? Go on, yeah. Mike, what, what else? What question they asked at the first, yeah, at the first call, yeah. right? Yeah. How, many day, how many days is it until they can get in for their assessment? So you measure yeah, these weight, right? And then all the data as you're collecting it, you'll be able to see that by individual that's contacting them. So you'll see, you know, this front desk person versus this front desk person is good at converting this type of lead with this type of question versus this type of lead with this type of question. And then you start training and you train that up. So this is more in a da clinic dashboard, my friends, or metric dashboard. It's a, it's a tool. It's almost like a little brain yeah. at the same time, you know, so I forgot about all that, dude. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. At the same time, it's also one of the most powerful things it's doing that I haven't seen anywhere. I've seen it in other business worlds and I took it and brought it to, to physio and healthcare is we're doing projections. And so once you know your performance, it's projecting performance for that month. So each model is going to be different, but I know for me, once I'm 10 business days into the month, I know how the rest of my month is going to look based on my projections. Cause that's my solid date where I've looked at over the past six months, for example, I know once I'm 10 business days in those numbers are solid for the rest of the month. So I can take action. Um, I want to talk about driving through the windshield and not the um, <clears throat> rearview mirror, right? Yeah, so this projection, this, this, this ability, right? Because everybody uses the metrics, right? You look at the end of the day, but what Mike just explained is, right? Understanding the projection based on what we've done these first 10 days of business, are we on track? So huge. So the value of this clinic dash goes way beyond having the metrics um, to review, it's the projections, it's the feedback for marketing, it's the feedback for training, it's the feedback for, by, by the way, when I say training, Mike gave a great example. If I find a front desk person that's better than another front desk person at converting certain things, I'm gonna make that person train the other person. I'm not gonna fucking train them. Oh. There, she, he is the one creating the success. Why the fuck would I fuck with that? So, right, so I'm gonna bring them in. So the feedback from that says, Hey, uh, Becky, can you help Billy over here manage the calls where people say A, B, and C? Oh, sure. Be happy to do that. Right. And again, by the way, a sense of a belonging, a sense of, hey, I'm helping to grow this. Hey, I'm valued for more than just, right? A bunch of tasks I do. Yes. Yeah, so exactly. much comes out of this, which again, let's double back, feeds back to a culture you want to create. Yeah. I always used to love to do that, right? I'd share metrics with the whole team about the whole team. The people at the bottom always got upset. They thought we were trying to make them look bad. I didn't do a good job of laying out this expectation at the beginning, but they came back and thought we were trying to make them look bad. I said, no, I want you to see who's who on the team is being successful. 
is I want you to reach out to them and ask them what, what are you doing consistently and equate it, right? And look at what you're doing and then, right? Look for an opportunity to improve before you get in front of me again and I just picture you. Right, right. And we do that from the healthcare care provider side as well. So yeah. we'll, t- we'll type assessments by body, body area where their injury oh, yeah. is. Yeah. And so, for example, we'll do lower extremity, upper extremity, spine, combinations thereof, right? And you'll start to see, hey, this person has a great completion rate on this. This person has a drop-off, a higher drop-off rate in this area. And then they can learn from each other. There's lots of mentorship that happens between care providers. Yeah, you know, it's such a great example of, right, before I kind of went down this path, not kind of before I went down this path, right, just, hey, get your cancels down. Cool. Cool. All right. And walking away, right, going, hey, I see you have some drop-offs with this type of person. Mike is very successful. I want you to talk with Mike about how he manages this person on the first visit, how he discusses the plan of care and how he manages their progress during the plan of care. And then we're going to talk about it day after tomorrow. Very proactive. Not not all that reactive, right? No, no, it's trying not to be. Yeah, it's trying to be forward-looking, empowering people and letting them see the change that they can make too, right? Because they're tracking their own performance. They can see it themselves. So they're, they're taking, they're taking on owning that change and seeing that turn into improved performance in that area. Yeah. And again, doubling back to the example Mike's giving, this is about patient success. We're not looking at how many units did you bill? We're not looking at um, whatever else, even visits. We're looking at a completed course of care, right? And so you're sitting across from a provider talking about patient, uh, sorry, I'm not going to say patient care, talking about clinical care and the metrics they're held accountable for, which is related to clinical care, which by the way, when the clinical metrics align magically, guess what? So does the finances, right? So we never have to talk about money in the clinic. Right. And then you don't, I mean, any owner, manager, clinic director on the face of the earth knows you're always going to get that pushback of, oh, it's always about the money. And it's like, whoa, not in this conversation. Who said, who said Bill Moore? Who said Sam Moore? Who said more dollars? Yeah. We're just talking about running someone through a course of care. By the way, your plan of care. I always love that because I'd always sit down and go, Mike, this is your plan of care. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Let's talk about your plan of care that you set up for this person. That was always the discussion. Yeah. So, yeah. So where can people find you, Mike? At clinic-.ca. And clinic-.ca. Cool. You got it. That's the website. They, there's an area where you can book a demo. I'd be happy to show anybody if they want to take a look. We can look at your pain points, solve your pain points, look at in-depth detail if you want to. We'd love to do that. And then I'm active on LinkedIn as well. Um, and they I was going to recommend, yeah, what your Mike major on LinkedIn. Yeah. So M-A-J-O-R, just M-Mike, not Michael, Um, M-I-K-E. Yeah, I would highly recommend you, if you're on LinkedIn, you find Mike, he shares so much good stuff and the conversations are good and shares examples, many examples and throws out many questions with conversations and maybe answers around the exact scenarios we're talking about. So it's cool. I love when Mike falls into my thread because it's always a great, kind of question around metrics or some performance thing. And uh, it all, I know it's going to align with my way of thinking. So I always stop and read it. Um, That's my bias, but I think it's the right way to do it. I mean, that's why I go off of what's best for the patient is best for business. So cool clinic. I'm just going to do this C L I N 
M-I-C-D-A-S-H dot C-A. Mike Major over at LinkedIn. Um, go to Clinic Dash. I would highly recommend. And I, I would recommend if you're not doing this and you think the EMR is and you're pulling stuff out of the EMR, just schedule a demo with Mike and let him walk you through it. By the way, he's a really nice guy. Um, probably a little to a fault, a little low key on the sell side. So you're not yeah. going to get a hard sell from him. I yeah. You. Yeah. I'm low key. I'm, he's I'm, definitely I'm low key on the sell side because <laughs> I always try to get him to kick it up a notch, but he's, <laughs> he's not going to force you into something you don't want. So if he offers you a free demo, I would take him up on it personally. Yeah. I'm not Anything else, Mike? Fam- yeah. I'm not looking to get famous. Just help a bunch of clinic owners simplify yeah, right. clinic ownership. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, right. You have your award from pulling a team of seven together and winning a major award on a how what do you call it? Howitzer, right? A howitzer. Yeah. 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 There you go. I mean, <laughs> what other things Holiday. do you need to do in your life? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We won. We won. Bitches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, well, well, that's a great story, dude. I gotta tell you, I didn't hear that one before. Oh, I didn't tell you. I don't think I told no. you that one before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool. Anything else you want to throw in there? Any thoughts? That's it, Jerry. Yeah, it's, it's all it's about simplifying it, right? When we talk about all this stuff together, people start to get overwhelmed because they're like, oh, shit, I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have this. I don't have that. Really, it's about clinic dash simplifies all that. So you have this starting point where then you can say, OK, I can build. I can slowly start to work on. I'm going to track this and I'm going to teach my team once they're ready in three to four months to do the next thing. Then we're going to do that. And that's why I've started with some clients using clinic dash. They start in one area. They start to collect treatment stats first, right? Just the daily treatments or evals. You guys call them visits, evals, no-shows and cancellations. Let's start to get that and comfortable with the team there. And then let's get the front desk comfortable with tracking leads and some of that information. So they do it in a step-by-step process and they've had some amazing successes. And now what they're starting to see, for example, one of the clients I was talking to last week, he was start, he's starting to see his team ask questions because they're seeing how they all connect for the first time. Oh, and they're, awesome. they're just saying, well, some of the physios aren't doing a handoff. They're not communicating about the client. And so that's going to affect my performance in these ways. And he's saying, yeah, yeah, that's what we're working on. So very actionable, take, very oh, actionable. Yeah. They're taking ownership of it. Right. Yeah. And he didn't have to do anything. He, he didn't even have to tell them about that. They started to see that connection happen. Right. So two things, successful businesses do this and they do it insanely more than any of us. Um, and that's what Mike has brought forward. So if you want a successful business, again, I highly recommend, and I'm just going to throw it out there again, you can't get it with what you currently have. Second thing is don't let the Canadian part confuse you. It all applies uh, because someone's going to listen to this and go, well, I'm in the States. This doesn't apply to me. I'm going to tell you, yes, it does. 130%. I've, I met Mike in Canada at a physio conference. So there you go. It is all the same, my friends, when it comes to this and it is so much the same about, I, I hate when people say it's so different. I'm like, no, it's about 98% the same. Right. So, and when it comes to the metrics and everything, it's the same. So don't let the Canadian thing scare you. And again, he is Canadian. Nice. Probably a yeah. little overly nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So, I mean, just leverage it, use it to your advantage, right? Yeah, Get on yeah. the free demo, let yeah. him walk you through whatever the hell you want to look at as I'll guarantee you successful businesses are doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's cool. where I took, took some of the ideas from this from, right? When I started to learn about the journey more and started to pick out certain things and we right. developed it further. Herbert Jolie wrote that book about Best Buy and how they turned it around, right? Wait, wait, whoa, whoa. Say that again, what book? 
Uh, I can't remember the name of the book, but it's Herbert Joe Lee wrote it, wrote it. He's the guy that turned Best Buy around. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. No, I and just so, wanted to make sure. And by doing this work. By doing this work, by turning yeah. around and bring it down to the person level of what they can control and measuring what's important to them, not just the cash and the dollars, right? Ford's done it. And I, I listened to, oh, what's the, I'm not great at remembering names. Yeah, dude. The CEO of Ford that turned Ford around, I sat in on a, a two hour talk that he did it. And he talked about some of these changes and making the changes in business. I love this because some of the stuff I've been reading recently are these international companies that follow these patterns of, right, of of this stuff. And I'm like, holy shit, these are $100 billion international companies. And you have the opportunity and Mike has created something so you can take this same approach. Right, because this is what the the SAPs and the Oracles and the sales forces oh, do of the world sure, and they customize and it's going to cost you tens of thousands of dollars to oh, customize yeah. it. And what I've done is built it for healthcare provider clinics because I knew what I wanted and I didn't want all the other fluff. Well, not right? only that, let's put it this way. You built it for healthcare provider clinics, yet that's your background. So you're not a software guy who doesn't know that, but built this. So that that's the kicker to me because you can sit down with a clinic owner and they're not going to be able to and just bear with me on this. They're not going to be able to say something that you don't understand. Right. So, so the software, right. Is all, to me is only as good as a person, right. The implementation and the, the, shall we say explanation, the value of its use because yeah. we all know we have software. We don't, don't tap into, but yet you get on the demo with Mike and he can click through and I'll guarantee you, just like I learned new things today and heard some things, I don't remember seeing, right? Th- this thing will go any direction you want it to go. And Mike understands that. But what's cool is Mike understands where to start as he used that example um, with some of your other clients, right? Yeah, exactly. Cool. Oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. So clinic-.ca, go check it out, my friends. And if you're on LinkedIn, connect with him, I promise you. you by the way, the questions and answers and the stuff he shares is valuable stuff. You, you'll get takeaway from it. So, so definitely check that out. Thank you, Mike. No problem. Thanks for having me, Jerry. Cheers. Yeah.